I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David and welcome back to Baselayer. I have a great guest with me today, Zach Burks, the founder at Mintable. Zach, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, David. I appreciate it. I really look forward to this. Mintable uh, and Zach have been in the NFT and digital asset landscape for a number of years. Mintable is a marketplace for all things that are digital asset NFT based. Uh, we obviously call those non-fungible tokens for those that are learning about this world. Uh, and this allows for the possibilities of rare art and, in my opinion, all global IP uh, to be uh, dispersed and owned in a marketplace over the next few years. Uh, Mintable has been around uh, for a number of years before some of uh, the other folks in the space have gotten here. And so Zach and his team have a lot of experience and have seen a lot. So Zach, what we'd like to do on the show before we get too far into Mintable and what you guys are doing there, we like to hear from our founders what they did before that and how you actually got inspired uh, to create Mintable. And uh, then we'll obviously talk about all the value propositions, all the mechanics there and all that good stuff. So if you could start us you know, from the kind of ground zero how did you get involved here? You know, what was your inspiration? And then we'll talk about Mintable more. Yeah, um, you know, we have been around for a while. I've uh, I got really lucky. You know, I found crypto really early on, uh, but before I found crypto, you know, I was in the military in the U.S. Army, um, and you know, I, I found I found Bitcoin in 2012. And of course, like everyone else, you know, when you find Bitcoin for the first time, you have no idea what it is, right? So I had no clue what it was. All I knew was some magic internet money. And you can use it to, uh, you know, buy things. So, 2012, I found it. Uh, to be honest, you know, really lucky that I did. Uh, ended up going into, you know, I did a little bit of trading. Uh, <laughs> had some unfortunate incidents on Mount Gox, uh, and so I ended up uh, going into the military and kind of forgetting about crypto for a bit. Uh, when I was getting out of the military. I started to dive back into crypto and I got out of the military and I, you know, I said to myself, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to work on different things and different projects and businesses. And during the time, you know, I was kind of diving into crypto, trading it a bit more, learning more about it. And I've always been a nerd, right? I've always been uh, a computer nerd. And so I've always known different programming languages and stuff from an early age. Um, and I started doing some software development. I had a few businesses, um, some some good, some bad, as as you know, as is normal. And uh, in 2015 and 2016, I found Ethereum, converted all my Bitcoin over to Ethereum, and kind of went all in. Um, stopped working on anything else and just went full time crypto in 2016 uh, as a smart contract developer, working on different projects and you know, uh, just kind of learning the space. 
So started my uh, smart contract development in 2016, 2017 rolled around. Uh, and that's when I discovered NFTs. You know, I saw CryptoPunks, didn't really understand them, didn't claim one because I was like, well, you know, they're free and, and I don't really understand why I want one. They're just kind of pixels. So whatever. Uh, that was a big mistake, <laughs> right? I ended up, uh, of course, I ended up buying some later, but uh, I, damn, I wish I claimed some. Uh, so then, uh, you know, I found uh, CryptoKitties. And this is a weird uh, NFT story. It's, it's, it's a weird NFT flex, right? Only people in the NFT space would care about this, but I was the first person to make money with CryptoKitties ever. So in the hackathon that they were presenting at, I was watching this hackathon. Uh, I was in California at the time. The hackathon was in Canada, in Waterloo. It was the East Waterloo hackathon. And uh, the team for CryptoKitties was presenting their, their, their project at the hackathon. And I was, you know, I was watching the live stream. And I, I was like, hey, a game that is on Ethereum, that's that's cool. Never had that before. Let's, uh, you know, I want to I go play that. And so I was playing the beta. And the beta had some prizes. I ended up winning um, the first two prizes. And so I reached out to Benny and I was like, hey, I won the first two prizes. And he's like, oh, cool. Where are you at in the hackathon? We're over by the balloons. Come on over. And I was like, oh, I'm in California. I'm not at the hackathon. <laughs> he was like, oh, well, that's weird. I, I, I didn't know people were going to play it outside the hackathon, but okay. And then uh, and then he sent me the first prize. And I was like, well, I, I won the first two, actually. He's like, oh, man, we didn't want someone to win two prizes. Um, so it was just one of those awkward situations. But I ended up falling in love with NFTs at that point. I, I realized the potential of what they could do. I realized how vague they are as a technology and how they can apply to so many different industries and verticals. Um, and it wasn't a conscious decision, but after that, I have only worked on NFTs since then. So I ended up joining a project as CTO, uh, building a fluid traceability supply chain system using NFTs. This was in 2018. We published a paper with the IEEE which is the International uh, Engineers and Electrical Engineers, uh, very prestigious publication. And I also uh, worked on Mintable at that time. And I ended up making Mintable in August of 2018. And I realized the business opportunity that I stumbled upon because what I made for Mintable, of course, you know, what I built back then was not what is, you know, what you see now in Mintable, but I was the only one that did that at the time. I started researching, like, what are other people doing for making a, uh, a generator that I made a, a tool to manage your NFTs? And I was like, what are other people doing in the space that maybe I should look to for inspiration? And I couldn't find anything. I realized that no one else has made this before. So <clears throat> this was, of course, you know, very early on in uh, NFTs and before, you know, there are ways to transfer your NFTs or before there are ways to do, uh, you know, to make NFTs without coding. Um, so right. I took some time, I, I developed some business models around it and I launched it in December, um, to the public. I moved from California to Asia, um, uh, to build it and finish it up and, and to run it. So I, I, I think I left in, uh, October and I, I finished it up and launched it in December. And that's kind of how we got started. Of course, now, you know, it's been what, three years, uh, almost, almost four years coming up or, or almost three years. And um, it's a lot different, right? We have uh, 25 people on the team. Uh, we've done millions of dollars in volume. We have hundreds of thousands of users. We get, you know, millions and millions of page requests and, and users on the site every uh, month. So it's crazy. It's crazy how, how far it's come. So uh, uh, that's a great story. And I think 
I would love your take on this. So you alluded to obviously being around, you know, one of the first movers here. And so it appears, you know, based off of, you know, data from Dune Analytics that the mining and NFT marketplace facilitated about almost $3 billion or more worth of trades in August, which was about almost 700% more than the previous record of 326 million last month in July. And so you're seeing this kind of compounding growth. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, why do you think this is happening now? You've been in this for so 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 long relative in, in you know, obviously in crypto years, you know, one year is 10 years in crypto life. And so you've been at this for 40, 50 years in, in this in this new ecosystem, this new world. And so what's happening now? Why do you think people, you know, especially non-crypto native people are flocking to NFTs? Why do you think we saw such a interest in, you know, people, you know, in the beginning of the year? And now you're starting to see it transcend to boarded yacht club and you know, again, the crypto punks, you know, interest again. Why do you think it's happening now? What what has caused that? Yeah, so there's a few things. Back in like 2018, everyone was always saying the NFTs were going to be the the forefront of adoption. They were going to bring adoption to the to crypto and, and you know, yeah, yeah. Everyone in your in your mother was going to be using NFTs, right? Now, of course, that didn't happen until this year. Uh, and I've been asked this a lot, and I've really thought about it. And what I've kind of boiled it down to is a few things. One, overall, in, in general, you know, we're in a crypto hype cycle, right? Uh, a bull market, if you would. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of eyes from, uh, you know, normies, you know, people that are not into crypto uh, that are seeing and hearing about it. And so they, you know, they go onto Coinbase and they, they buy their first Bitcoin or Ethereum. Um, so, of course, that's going to increase the number of people using uh, crypto just overall. But you, you hit on it perfectly with people. Uh, Beeple actually was one of the uh, sparks that ignited the fire, right? So having something go for you know seventy million dollars at the time is it was so newsworthy and it was so distributed across its coverage of, of you know news coverage. You ended up getting a lot of people involved just by the coverage itself. So when that started, people looked at things and said, "Hey, this is just." a JPEG, but it sold for so much money. That's insane. Um, and then you had, it was Christie's, I believe that did their first, uh, it's been kind of, it's almost been a year now. Uh, Christie's did their, their auction uh, afterwards. And, you know, I, once they did, besides people, they, they did their, uh, I, I believe it was their CryptoPunk auction. Um, you had that going off. And, and when you have someone like Christie's getting involved in something like this, that also made headlines. And what you had is from November until basically, I would say until like June or July of this year, every day news coverage on NFTs, whether it was a CryptoPunk going for $5 million, $10 million, $15 million, whether it was Board Ape Yacht Club or some project raising $20 million overnight, or whether it was Sotheby's or Christie's or making an announcement, or whether it was Eminem or Paris Hilton jumping into NFTs, mm -hmm. you had this news coverage that just went everywhere. And when you take that news coverage and you put it on something like say DeFi, where when your mom hears this and she, you know, maybe your mom's an artist or something, she's been an artist her whole life. Right. And, uh, and she hears this thing about digital art selling for millions and millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And 
She goes and looks into it. She understands it. But if it was DeFi on the other end and she went to look into DeFi, she would just be like, I don't know what the hell any of this is. I can't understand it. I can't comprehend it. And she closes the page and she just writes it off. Right. But with NFTs, they're so easy to understand and grasp. They're not, you don't need a financial background. You don't need to be a Wall Street trader. You don't need to understand how hedging works and derivatives and things like this. It's so easy to take a random person on the street and say, hey, you know what a Pokemon card is? You know what a baseball card is? Imagine that, but only digital. That's an NFT, right? In one sense, and someone goes, oh, okay, that, that kind of makes sense. And then if you told them this NFT right here, and you show them a picture of, a, of an ape, you say, this NFT is you know $500,000. They're going to look at you and be like, what the hell? What? 500? That's more than my house. They're not going to understand that. They're not going to understand the value, you know, why it's being valued so much, but they'll understand, okay, this is like a trading card, right? I get that. This is like artwork. I get that. I got artwork on my wall. I understand that. And so it's relatable. And that's why we said in 2018, the NFTs were going to be the driver of adoption because it's so relatable and it's so vast, whether it's artwork or it's trading cards or it's land in a video game or it's a financial derivative being used as an NFT. There's right. so many different use cases for NFTs. It's going to be like a DVD, like a USB, just another phrase that you don't really know what it means. Like, what does a DVD stand for? Mm-hmm. I asked this once. I, I was speaking at another event and I asked this and I've never had someone tell me the answer, but someone raised their hand like, oh, I know what that is. And, <laughs> and I was shocked. I can't even remember what they said now, right? It's just what it, what it went in one ear and out the other. But um, point is, is, you know, DVD is something that we all know what it is. Yep. It's in our daily lives, but we don't really understand the core technology. Same with email, right? And this is always what we've said about Bitcoin, right? Is you don't need to understand how a blockchain works, just understand payments like the, the internet and email. You don't have to understand TCP, but you know, you still go on YouTube. Yep. So because NFTs are so easy to understand, um, this is why coupled with the news coverage, you have, you know, your mother, she looks into it. And she goes, hey, you know, I don't understand why it's going for half a million dollars, but this is something I could wrap my head around. I get it. And so she dives in. Um, so you combine all those factors together and, you know, yeah. this is this is what happened. So the visual aspect of NFTs in their first iteration, if you will, crypto kitties, punks, apes, penguins, people art. The visual nature of that abstracts away the complexities of blockchain-based apparatuses. Is that correct? Yes and no. I mean, when you make a trade on a, say, on Uniswap, we'll just go real basic here, <laughs> basic for DeFi. Uh, when you make a trade on Uniswap, you do have to worry about someone front-running you, right? You do have to worry about slippage. You yep. do have to worry about verifying the asset that you're buying. Um, and then of course, you know, you're making an investment. So hopefully you've, you've done your due diligence there. Um, when you dive into NFTs, uh, especially for like making an NFT, uh, you don't have to do any of that, right? You just upload your photo, put in a nice title, set your price and sign a message in your wallet, right? It doesn't even cost you anything if you use Mintable. Mm -hmm. So that is something that, you know, one of the things in our company that we look at is we have the mob test. And I think I was mentioning this to you before, yeah, which is yeah. where fantastic. Yeah, it's where I look at my mom. She's a construction worker, right? So she can barely use Facebook, you know. Um, and I love her to death, but you know, she just technically challenged. Um, and I say, whatever we're building, can my mom use this? And 
we apply that to everything. And so when we ask, can my mom make an NFT? Yeah, she can. In fact, she has, right? She actually uploaded a photo of me and made an NFT unmintable. Mm-hmm. So my mom has interacted with the blockchain. She's never bought crypto. She's never signed up on Coinbase. She's never invested into blockchain technology or, or any crypto herself, uh, but she's made an NFT. So just like how my mom has never understood what uh, you know protocol layers are happening on the internet or what packets are when she's sending you know data across and, and requests on on her uh, on her devices, she still will use her email. She still will go on Facebook. She'll still use YouTube, right? But she doesn't have to understand the technology. And so I think NFTs, you know, I brought up Uniswap because even when you use Uniswap, you need to understand the technology. You need to understand what slippages and front running and, yep. and all these different aspects that come into play. But with NFTs, you don't. And so it's really easy for people to get involved. Uh, would, and that is. Yeah, I want to talk to you more about that. So easy to use, yes. And almost easy enough to use, obviously, because of the apparatuses that you have created um, that have kind of led the way for others out there to kind of follow suit with minting of those. Um, and as you alluded to, obviously you gave a description, it's pretty easy. You take a picture and you go on to your site or some others out there, some other variations, and it's, you can do it in a no code way. Um, and I've always talked about no code kind of ways on the show for the last three years that if you look at the trajectory of the web usage out there, that from 2000 to 2006, it was fairly plat. It was flat. It wasn't, you didn't see massive growth. And then in 2006, you saw it kind of hockey stick up. And that was the advent of Wix. Now, those out there say Wix is not very good. You know, it's not that, you know, conclusive. It's not that, you know, robust, I get. But at the same time, the mom test, as you alluded to, our moms, our aunts, our fathers who don't know how to open their phones, et cetera, could go on Wix and basically create their own website for their their restaurant or their shoe cobbler business that they had, whatever it may be. Um, and so it made it easy because it was point and click and it was no code. And then all of a sudden you start to see everyone have a website and an e-commerce site and you saw the use of the, the net go parabolic. And so it's really interesting that you bring that up, but I want you to hit on this because with ease, there comes the detractors that say, this is just, you know, right clicking and saving, you know, an item on your desktop that they don't understand the provenance side of this. Um, And so there are the detractors that just say, it's all just right click. There's nothing really here. Everyone's paying for, as you said, JPEGs. Um, and there are obviously those I try to use that as a negative connotation. So I would love you, you know, as someone who's on the frontier of this, how do you kind of talk about that with people out there? You know, that obviously there is much more, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later too. There's more than just art. There's more than just a board eight yacht club. There's more than just a penguin. NFTs, as I said in the beginning, can transcend to all IP out there in the world. Uh, which is trillions of dollars in value. Um, but I want you to hit on the detractors, ones that are saying this is just right-clicking and saving, that this is JPEGs. Talk to us about the provenance side of things, why this is so unique. Yeah, I think there's a lot of arguments that you can have there. One of my favorite things I saw on a tweet was 
if I take a photo of your Bitcoin wallet, does that mean I own your Bitcoin? Like, no, right? And if I take a photo of the Mona Lisa, does that mean I own the Mona Lisa? No, of course not. So being an item on the blockchain, there is this record of provenance where it shows it created, it shows it's being transferred, it shows transactions and sales. Um, and this solves an issue for artwork. Uh, so you have this whole history here and you have an asset that is digitally tangible which is a phrase I like to use because it's it's digital, but because it's on the blockchain, it's tangible. You have it, you own it, it's in your wallet. You can verify ownership of it. You can say, look, I'm the only person that has ever had this NFT. I created it and there's only one of it. And yeah, you can go and you can right click the image and save it, but you don't have the asset that's on the blockchain. And since you don't have that asset on the blockchain, you cannot sell it. So, well, I can, take your, your image from your, your NFT, I can't go and sell that NFT. And so that right there is something that, you know, we've actually never been able to do this before where you, because with Mintable, you have these, this private content that you can put on your NFT that is actually private. And so you can upload any file you want. Um, and then you can verify that this is, you know, that file, it's attached to the NFT and only the person who owns the NFT can access that file. Never before have we been able to, to look at a file and say, this is the only one out there and it's, you can verify ownership of it. And I can say that this is mine. I own it. I'm the only one that has the rights to, uh, I, I don't like the word rights because I'm not implying copyright, uh, or, you know, IP rights, but just the right to, you know, uh, to actually open the file, look at the file, access the file kind of thing. Um, and so because of this, we've got this new paradigm that we've never had before of being able to say, look, this song, this MP3, this JPEG, this zip file, this document is the only one. It's on this NFT. And, you know, Dave, you're the only one that has it. Right. It's, you know, it's in your wallet. You're the only one that is able to look at this. And if I find it on the Internet, if it's uploaded on YouTube or whatever, I know that it came from you. Right. Right. That you were the one that leaked it. And, yeah, you can't leak it. But again, you know, just because I can download a song off of YouTube or I can download a song on uh, iTunes, that doesn't mean that I own that asset. I don't own the rights to it. I can't sell it. You know, I can't turn around and, and try to sell you a picture of the Mona Lisa and say, hey, you don't want to pay a million dollars for this? I took it on my phone. This is so important. I have said this for the last few years. When you go and you buy a domain, and obviously domains are part of Mintable as well, too. Um when you buy a domain on GoDaddy, you don't own that website. You are effectively renting it or leasing it from GoDaddy for one year, three years, five years, whatever you determine your, your, your duration is. But you do not own that website. And people don't get that. And that's you're hitting on a really good point there. Um, and so the ownership aspect, you know, is 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 so critical that what we thought we owned or what we thought we you know had an ownership of is actually not something that we own there are other companies that own that asset and they are effectively just kind of renting to us or leasing it to us on mintable um because i'm gonna obviously you know have everyone go there and take a look there on what you can do so you have art you have collectibles game items and domains i want to hit on that a little bit 
So as you know, Zach, I'm a big proponent that gaming with 3 billion gamers around the world is potentially going to bring in the next 100 million users of digital assets in the next year. Um, talk to us about that aspect. There were game items where it could be swords, it could be skins, it could be you know crypto voxels, all those types of things out there. How important do you think gaming is right now to the world of NFTs? Or if you don't think it is, why not? Yeah, so, you know, from the very beginning, everyone always said, Games are the biggest thing. Games are the most, you know, uh, the, the, the most uh, critical thing for adoption. You're going to get millions and millions of people instantly. And I've always looked at game items as low-hanging fruit for the NFT space. And I think I, I think I attribute that just because I see that there's much more broader potential uh, for what they could be used for. Now, I'm not disregarding the potential here because what you touched on with the domain names and not owning that is, is really great and applies to games too. So if you think of like, any online game, whether it's World of Warcraft or some game on your phone or it's PUBG or any game that you're playing, none of those assets are yours. They're all the game companies, right? The, the, the studio behind the game, they own those the rights to those assets. They own your account. They own everything. So in a game like, I don't know, EVE Online, where there's a robust economy and you're able to make billions of dollars in the game that you could then sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars in the real world. Um, if you did that, that's against the rules and you'll get banned and you lose all that, that the money, right? You lose all your items in the game, you lose all your spaceships, you lose everything. Um, so you don't own anything. But if those items are NFTs, you do own them. And even if you get banned from the game, you still have all that stuff in your wallet. And you would just go turn around and say, oh, well, I got banned. Either I'm going to make a new account or I'm going to go sell all my NFTs and get all my money out, right? Um, the reason why... We don't see Blizzard and Ubisoft and every other game company under the sun releasing NFTs for their games is twofold. One, if they do it and they do it right, they lose out on so much money because they don't get to um, control where it's being sold at. They don't get their cut of anything. And Two, it's slightly technically challenging, but um, not too much, especially for, you know, these games that are coming out today with, you know, amazing performance and amazing graphics and cutting edge this and cutting edge that. You can easily integrate NFTs into that game system. The real thing is the financial incentive not to, because if you're going to have a game like Call of Duty or uh, Battlefield or any of these big games with millions and millions of players and you have items of those games being traded as NFTs, they're going to do millions of dollars of volume all the time. And how much of that money is the studio going to get? None of it, right? So they're not going to get any of that because it's all trading on secondary marketplaces. It'll be on Mintable, it'll be on Rarible, it'll be on OpenSea. And it's not going to be on Ubisoft's marketplace. It's not going to be on um, you know, Blizzard's marketplace. But that's why I said, if they do it right, because they could also say, hey, you get these NFTs, but guess what? You can only trade them on our marketplace and we take a 10% cut. Or, you know, you own these, but, but guess what? It's it's a custodial wallet and we'll hold all the wallets for everyone, right? So then effectively you don't own anything. Um, so there's financial incentives for them not to do this. Um, even though, yes, if you have a game with millions of players release NFTs, one, you're going to have millions of people using NFTs. Two, that game is going to be massively successful. If you tell me I can go earn thousands of dollars playing Battlefield every single day, 
well, you know, there's probably going to be no updates for Mintable anymore because I'll be playing Battlefield all day, <laughs> right? <laughs> so <clears throat> this is something that they should do, but either due to legal issues or due to financial reasons, they choose not to. Now, we see indie games all the time that are integrated, you know, whether it's Axie or Gods Chain or uh, Decentraland or The Sandbox. You see these games coming up that are integrating NFTs, but the reality is, is you know, there's only a few hundred players in all of these games, right? There's not millions. It's not like, uh, you know, a game that's got 25 million people that are using it. Um, you, It's very small. And so <clears throat> eventually we'll see it, right? Eventually, one of the big studios is going to take a chance on it. Uh, and when they do, everyone else will jump on board because they're like, oh, this is, you know, this is the model. This is how it's been uh, designed and this is effective. And, you know, we can still get our cut from this. Um, and that'll be huge. And the thing is, is it makes a lot of sense, right? So in the beginning, I said it's a low-hanging fruit because it is. Because what if every insurance policy was an NFT? Or what if your driver's license was an NFT or your car registration was an NFT? Or what if the deed to your house was an NFT, mm-hmm. right? There's so many things that NFT could be that is more substantial than just a skin for a gun or some gold from a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is really important because... It's something that you spend thousands and thousands of hours. Uh, well, I guess the hardcore people will spend thousands of hours playing a game. Yep. Um, you know, they, they put all this time commitment into it and they got nothing for it. You know, when they're 80, they're going to look back and say, damn, I wish I had spent 2000 hours of my life playing this stupid video game right. uh, because they got nothing out of it. But if they were able to say, you know, when they're 80, they turn around and say, man, I can't believe I was the first to start playing that NFT video game and it made me millions of dollars and it changed my life. I can't, you know, I'm so lucky, mm-hmm. right? That is when you have this shift of ownership. You have this shift of, you know, <clears throat> I'm not going to work my normal nine to five job because I've got a career trading video game items from this video game, right? And so that's huge. Yeah. And hopefully one day we'll see that. In fact, I think for the last three years, I've been waiting for this game that promised to be like this uh, MMORPG, VR kind of world. You can do all this stuff and it comes with, everything is done by crypto. And it's been in development for like three years. And of course, I, you know, it's probably never going to come out. Uh, but I've always said that as soon as there is this RPG where I can run a business and I can dominate like the economy with all this blah, 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 and I can get real tangible benefits from doing that, boom, you know, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm going to be playing that every day. Uh, so I think that I'm not the only person out there that thinks that way, right? I, I think a lot of us would love to do that. You know, that's kind of like ready player one, yeah. right? It's, uh, <clears throat> absolutely. It, yeah. And so, you know, I think what I'd love to do and just as a, uh, a, a fact of point, you know, obviously, uh, Axie Infinity daily active users have gone from 38,000 in April of this year to 1.6 million, uh as of about yeah actually actually is the exception they've done really yeah. well really well so it we are seeing as zach points out we are starting to see that actually translate into real usage because people especially in the philippines and re- regions around there are effectively making money um <clears throat> to pay for their food and for their clothes and for the things that they need when especially during a global pandemic that's been very hard on the employment industry and so you know i think we're starting to see that um but as i know zach has been around for a while and you know and so have i it's, we've been waiting <laughs> you 
waiting with bated breath, as we like to say. And, uh, you know, obviously patience is a virtue, but sometimes you just want to see the damn things come out. Um, and you want to see it actually start to take shape because we see it um, and we just want to see it actually come to fruition. What I would love for you to do, so with the last few minutes here, um, if you could, again, kind of walk people through. So if they're going to Mintable and the address for Mintable is Mintable, M-I-T, M-I-N-T-A-B-L-E dot A-P-P. If they're going to Mintable, and hopefully they're going to be doing that while they're listening to this conversation, um, how do they, if they don't have a wallet per se, um, they're brand new to this world and they're listening to the show because they're trying to get invested or they're trying to get allocated or they're trying to get interested in this world. What do they have to do if they don't have a wallet, if they've never really done anything before? Just walk someone through very quickly some of the process and what they're going to see there. And then obviously we'll just finish up with, you know, obviously giving them insight into where they can go, where they can go for help if they're looking to get involved, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So there's two things you could do on Mintable. You can either buy uh, well, and sell, so you could trade or you can create. So if you're a creator, whether you're an artist or a musician or whatever, uh, then, you know, you can go make an NFT. Now, if you maybe are not a creator like me, I, I don't create anything, uh, then you would look to trade, which would be to buy NFTs with your credit card or to buy it with crypto. Now, if you're brand new, you got to get a wallet because you got to have a place to hold your NFT and you got to have uh, a place to hold your money if you sell your NFT. So that's the first step. You got to get a wallet. And, you know, it's really easy. You go to metamask.io, you download this browser extension. It's like a pop-up blocker. It takes two seconds. You click through, you set it up, boom, you're done. That's it, right? You refresh the page. We detect your wallet. It's connected. You're ready to go, right? So it's super easy to do that. Even my mom can do it. So there's no excuses there. Uh, then once you've got set up, your, your options here are, if you don't have any crypto, you're brand new, you've never bought crypto before, and you want, you're not a creator, and you want to buy NFTs, you can go with your credit card. You know, it's the same flow as if you were buying anything else online. You put in your credit card info, boom, you get your NFT, right? Um, so that's really easy. You can start buying NFTs and then immediately listing them for, to, you know, profit to resell them. So maybe you'll buy one for $100 and list it for sale for $500, right? Um, and this is what a lot of people do, uh, myself included, right? You, you buy a lot of NFTs and you list them for a higher price and, you know, they'll sell and you'll make a lot of money from that. Now, if you're a creator, you got to go through a little bit more steps. You got to mint your item first, right? To mint is to create. Um, so you got to go through, you upload whatever it is, you put a really nice title explaining what it is, a really good description, uh, going into detail about why this item has value. You know, you think about it, you're selling an item, whether you're selling on Etsy, on eBay, on Amazon, or on Mintable, you're selling something. So you need to sell. So you got to convey why this is valuable, right? So that's something that you go through the process, you convey why it's valuable, you put on a good description title, you upload your content, you attach private content if you want to do that, you put your price and you list it for sale, very easy. There's no cost to do that. Uh, whereas on other platforms, you're going to have to pay, you have to submit multiple transactions, which means you have to have crypto, which is means you have to buy crypto. Um, but on Mintable, we're the only place that you can mint an NFT without having to own any Ethereum. So you can go get started right away with no balance. You can make, you know, 100 NFTs, list all your songs or all your artwork that you have. And as soon as one of those sells, you'll wake up and you'll have money in your wallet. So that's if you're a creator. Now, 
Again, if you're new and you don't have ETH, you use your credit card to buy NFTs. Uh, unfortunately, there's a limit. It's like 15000 a week. So you won't be able to buy any $100,000 NFTs uh, with your credit card. Uh, but if you're going to do that, probably best to uh, to buy crypto, right? right? You buy crypto, put it over it, and, and get involved that way. Uh, but so Mintables, the easiest way to get onboarded, right? Uh, we've got a lot of really cool features. We've got, you know, reviews. So you can look at the reviews of a seller. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, the private files. If you're a seller yourself, uh, we've got advertising that you can do to promote your items so that you can uh, get more views. Uh, and then we have a seller's university. So it's a university class of the basics of NFTs, the basics of uh, Mintable, and then the more advanced stuff of how do you create quality NFTs that people really want to buy. Um, and that's, again, for the, the seller side. The buyers just still watch it because it goes through some buyer's basics, and it kind of helps you understand the NFT space. Um, and so that's a really good course to go through if you're, if you're brand new. Uh, but some of the updates that we're working on right now are also really big. So one of the biggest updates that we've ever done is coming out here in about three weeks. And we've got so many features, it's hard to list them off. Uh, but basically, in short, we're going to have every single item on the blockchain, on Mintable, automatically, as soon as it's created in every NFT for the last you know, three or four years. Wow. Um, so it's, it's, it's crazy to think of the number of NFTs that are out there right now. You know, I've always estimated maybe around five to 10 million. But for the last month, we've been scanning every NFT um, that's, that's being you know, transacted or moving or interacted with on the blockchain. For the last month, and we have 16,000 NFTs. We started at zero. We have 16,000 NFTs just in the last month, and we still have four years of data to go through and, uh, you know, uh, to collect over the last four years, which, so I'm expecting around 50 million, and I'm probably going to be wrong. I'm probably around 75 million, uh, but probably around 50 million uh, NFTs are out there on the blockchain. We're going to all of them. And so we've got um, some really cool features that we're adding, like machine learning to offer personalized results. We've got comments, uh, reviews, rarity. We've got all sorts of analytical data so that you have all the information you need to look at something and say, look, this is insane. There's been a billion dollars in the last week. There's been a hundred million dollars in the last day. All these people are buying the same NFT. It's gone from $5 all the way up to $5 million in one day, right? This is an NFT that I want to own. Um, so we give you as much data as possible. We give you every item that is available. We give you this really cool searching um, so that you can find exactly what you're looking for. It's a very big update. Uh, and that's right. going to come soon. That is massive. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I did not know about that prior. So that's very exciting and something I will be looking for. Um, Zach, as I said, again, you were a frontier, you know, in this, you, uh, you know, basically a first mover. Um, and we have seen this space really evolve um, and I think back to what happened with DeFi, you know, about two years ago where everyone was enamored with it. Uh, they were playing with these complex abstract type of platforms to yield farm and to start making their assets, their digital assets, um, more performant. Um, and so you started to see it started to mature over the last few in the last few months, last year or so, and now you're seeing that with NFTs when Kitties came out in 17, now you're starting to see real interesting use cases and it evolved and mature from you know kind of a very nascent uh, exploratory uh, sector of digital assets to something that has really become more of a mainstay. And so you have been at the forefront of that. 
you know, thank you for your work on Mintable. And uh, I hope we can have you back on in another six months or so after especially that big release. Uh, so everyone check out Mintable, as I said again, M-I-N-T-A-B-L-E dot A-P-P. You guys can check it out, see all the stuff that's happening there. And Zach, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.